surely it disproves the existence of God, <laughs> doesn't it? Can you know an, an all-loving, benevolent creator who made man in his own image and fucking, you know, just looks upon us with, you know, just just peace and 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 come unto me and be saved. Surely the fact that fucking teratoma exists flies in the face of all of that. How on earth would a god, any fucking god, a vengeful or a loving god, sign off on the fact that his creation, yeah, occasionally gets cysts containing fucking tissue that ought not to be there? Did you really do... On what day did you do that, god? On what fucking day did you put that fucking... Did you pull that one out of the bag? Uh. Oh, I hate the sound of this already. I have had cysts before. Okay. Well, um, a lot of people have. I've had, yeah. I've had, I've had a, a sebaceous cyst from time to time. It, it does happen. Yeah. I'm hoping... Well, uh, I'm hoping you've not had a dermoid cyst. No. No? No, I don't. Well, I'm glad. I don't think so. A, a dermoid cyst, uh, if you want to get medical, and we're fucking going to get medical, a dermoid <laughs> cyst is a benign tumour uh, uh-huh. categorised by containing tissues, tissues... In various stages of development and complete formation, tissues that are normally formed elsewhere on the body. Uh, okay. Yeah, and that's exactly how it sounds. Exactly how it sounds. Commonly found uh, in the, the the kind of the lower back, in the spine, uh-huh. uh, on on uh, the the uh, the kind of the abdomen, the ovaries, the testes, a dermoid cyst. Uh, opinions vary in the medical community as to why these fuckers even happen. Um, common, common uh, prevailing wisdom seems to be that uh, you know different cells on your body reproduce and create different bits of your body. Yes, sure. there's a, a particular type of cell called the germ cell, uh, which is responsible for forming you know your your uh, reproductive organs and whatnot. But different types of germ cells also have the power to create different body parts. Right? Okay. And uh, and one. Uh, medical uh, train of thought here is that a complication in the body's growth process, a messed up fucking signal here or there, uh, will create malfunctions in the way that certain cells differentiate and specialise, leading to these fucked up cysts, sometimes known as a teratoma. uh, I feel like I've heard the word before. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, uh, would you like me to... Would you like to read? Would you like to hear about some case studies? No, but yeah, uh, go on. Yeah, of course you do. Of course you do. Let me uh, quote from a British Medical Journal and spin the yarn for you of a thirty-one-year-old <laughs> woman who presented to her doctors with a, uh, uh, a an abdominal discomfort, okay. and upon palpating this abdominal discomfort, uh, a uh, 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 an ovarian tumour was discovered measuring 6.5 by 3.2 centimetres. I don't okay. know how big that is. It's about yay big. I know you can't see this. <laughs> Out <laughs> there in Joagland. The size uh, of... And I'm... What is that? That's like three inches. Two, three inches. Somewhere. Yeah, no, wait, maybe yeah, yeah, more yeah, than yeah. that. Maybe like four about inches. Yay, about yay big. About okay. yay big. Right? Uh, so um, the largest soft tissue fragment in this cyst contained... Uh, a pink tan epithelium substance and portions of partially calcified, calcified hemorrhagic soft tissue. A total of nine teeth were identified teeth. in this cyst. Nine teeth. Uh, One canine. They uh, did multiple a Multiple molars. 
That's what they did. That's exactly what they did. <laughs> it they was did. her twin. <laughs> yep. Um, nine teeth and some teeth with a non-distinct appearance. So just yeah, lumps of fucking tooth bone. Uh, oh, but this dude. isn't just it. You know, when they uh, analyzed this bad lad under a microscope, uh, they also determined uh, glandular tissue, uh, muscle tissue, skeletal cartilage tissue, all packed up into this little cyst, which is just like a person fucking... in there. A, a, a macro fucking like squashed a... together version of a person smooshed in and just blooming on you just oh. because your germ cells decide <laughs> go wrong and decide to just spontaneously erupt into a shape, a fucking malformed lump of shape, uh, of shapeless kind of humanity. Horrific. Um, oh, yes. It's yes, like yes, something yes. in like science fiction that would happen like if you like, you know, in the fly or something like that. Like you go through a machine and like something happens and you get all jumbled or whatever. But your body is just doing it spontaneously. Like, whoop. Yep. It's, Not bad. It's what comes out the other end of Brundlefly's telepods, exactly. isn't it? When he tries to put a fucking baboon through there. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Because you see, the the like I said, the one theory about about teratoma and about dermoid cysts is that the, that it's germ cells sparking off out of nowhere, right? But the other prevailing theory is that they are caused by duh, 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 fetus in fetu. So that's our good old friend, the parasitic twin, a rare congenital anomaly. Uh, which is when, you know, your little twin gets wrapped up inside the big twin during gestation uh, and you end up with a little summon-summon all up inside of you. Um, allow me, if I may, to regale you from the British Medical Journal with the tale of a 17-year-old woman uh, who presented with a abdominal lump and the language here is so mm. evocative. The language here <laughs> is beautiful. So some uh, medical jargon here, I apologize, because on exploration of this tumor, there was a large retroperitoneal encapsulated mass. All right. Okay. Now, this was a big boy. We're talking <laughs> 30 by 16 by 10 centimeters, 30 centimeters. So we're looking at like a foot here. We're looking. <laughs> we, well, we were actually looking at the foot when they opened that bad lad up. Oh, Let no. What have I stumbled you. upon? <laughs> um, this is a direct quote from the British Medical Journal. The remaining cyst wall was cauterized and on examination, the mass was composed of hairy, cheesy oh. material, oh. multiple teeth and structures resembling limb buds. Limb buds? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Little limb buds, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, on cutting, it showed fatty, cartilaginous, and bony areas. And microscopically, there was a mixture of different elements, including neural, intestinal, oh cartilaginous, bone, and skin structures. There was brain it's matter. The neural part there. there is what really gets me. Yep. What? Alongside all of the hairy, cheesy material. I mean, yeah, that's just gnarly but the idea that there's like some sort of i mean there's uh, my brain immediately goes like what if at some point this thing was like alive you know i mean it probably was point, before it was like absorbed yep. or whatever this in was like utero a, yes yeah this was like a twin that was you know growing or whatever but i just have like this like it's kind of you know how you think about like some of your your head trauma things and and whatnot, where people are like stuck in their bodies, yes. or, or yes. like you know you're locked in a coma, in can you? Yeah, yeah locked yeah, yeah, in yeah, syndrome yeah. stuff like that. Like there's this part of me that's like, what if 
this yeah. like weird blobby thing was somehow like sentient. Well, it's just like a sentient, cheesy, hairy glob. <laughs> sentient, I doubt. But in the yeah. strictest medical sense, before they snip that bugger off, that's alive. I mean, you know? yeah, it's like in a the, it depends. You, I guess. Yeah. It, it's exactly that. It's a parasitic. It depends on their sibling, <laughs> the sibling that made it. Yeah. It depends on them for life. So you are excising a living part of yourself. I mean, is this like, like if it went differently, mm. is that essentially what a conjoined twin is? That's like, exactly what a conjoined twin is. It's just yes, one that certainly. didn't get completely absorbed. Yep, uh, exactly that. Exactly that. That stayed on the outside of the yeah. other twin. Um, and, you know, there are some incredible uh, cases of conjoined twins out there. Maybe yeah. for another episode. Um, yeah, that, not a bad idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. But for this week, uh, Jack of All Graves fam, I'll leave you with that image. And I will leave it's you with the images. Horrible I'm gonna... image. Oh, it's vile. Wait, it's absolutely a... vile. You actually have pictures? Oh, fuck yeah. The, the British Medical Journal goes in. It shows this motherfucker in a, in a pan. You know what I mean? In a kidney dish. Oh, um, Jesus Christ. Uh, if you could only see what I'm looking at right now. Just... It's everything I've described. It's just a wet mass of teeth and hair and fucking yellow so like, gack. Anything that's like, you add hair to anything and yeah, it becomes yeah, yeah. a thousand times grosser. There's just, yes. hair is disgusting. And when it's not where it's supposed to be, that's horrifying. So that's really, I, I like, Do you know it's what? giving me this visceral feeling like I have a hairball in my throat even thinking about this. In the same way as you surprised me with that, uh, the Lady of the Dunes. Yeah. Check your signal right now. <laughs> this does not feel like it's going to be the same, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> check, check that out. Oh, fuck. Ah! <laughs> no, it's so much worse than I thought it'd be. It's fucking horrible. No, I'm deleting it. I'm deleting it. I'm deleting it. How do I delete it? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Delete message for me. Oh, my God. I'm not looking God, at that's... it. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Nope. Uh, nope. No, all I can so, say is nope. I got nothing but nope. Where is oh. your god now? <laughs> I don't you're gonna have to I don't even know how you're you're gonna have to put that one on Instagram as like the second slide <laughs> so that I don't have to see it. Like a front thing. Warning, the next slide <laughs> is hidden because Corey does not want to encounter it. Um I apologize in, in advance. That felt invasive, I'm sorry. Um <laughs> But so look, nice. hey, just like, uh, please don't think I talk about this stuff simply for uh, the ick factor, the gore factor, the shock factor. I don't. I talk about this stuff because I am legitimately fascinated, legitimately yeah, amazed and at the same time terrified that we have the capacity within us, every single one of us, we have the capacity within us for a fucking signal to get mixed up, a synapse yeah, we to glitch. Fire. We glitch. That is exactly what we do. And that's what comes out. That's the result. Life yeah, finds a way. Uh, often it's the wrong way. It's definitely wrong. That is not the right way. Not like that, life. Not like that. Oh, God. That poor girl. Hope they didn't that show poor her. Girl. Uh, uh, no, they didn't show her. But I hasten to add, in both of those cases that I spoke of there, uh, the case study had an addendum on there that both patients you know, repeated uh, uh, kind of observations and are absolutely fine, have no adverse effect at all. Oh, that's good to know. I'm very yeah, happy for uh, them. I mean, yes. oh, oh, <laughs> and, oh, 
<laughs> I don't even know what to that say. Sounds... I'm just real grossed out. Uh... <laughs> it is fascinating, though. You are right. I think, like, that is, I think often about the fact that, like, on less extreme, like, cases, mm. most of us have something that glitches or whatever, you know? Like, I have, like, a... Yes. a, a connective tissue disorder like that's that's a glitch yes, yes, that's not yes, supposed to yes. be like that like you know we these you're just kind of lucky if you're glitched it doesn't do that you know yeah. it's but yeah ultimately yeah i mean kind of where you started this from of what god creates this whatever you god know signs like, off on that. yeah it's like it all has to be random it's just it's all it's, that's the only explanation and you Where's can see why people wouldn't design? like to think that because that's exactly. awful that that can yeah. just happen randomly where is your intelligent design in any of that where is the fucking hand of a creator in any of that and it's a trial mark uh, it's a trial and exactly well exactly exactly just like the, the the paradox that we spoke of weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks ago if there is an intelligent design behind that then it ain't any fucker that i want to be involved with. Thank you very much. That's no one I, I would care to worship. No, not the Teratoma God. No, but I what I will say, just as a way of wrapping this up, is that hairy, cheesy material sounds like a... <laughs> sounds like maybe the name of an album that I might listen to. I don't know. Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise-en-scene. Anyone has ever said me well said in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's you cold know. outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, this week's Jack of All Graves. We're happy to have you here in our presence mm. once more uh, this mm. delightful June day. Uh, it is hot. It is muggy. Uh, it is It is a tough time, and we're a little tired as a result of it. But mm. you know what? Feeling pretty good to be here together talking to you guys. Is that? Do you agree with that, Mark? Very much so. And... Something I've not rev I've not really spoke about up to now in the past 41, 42 weeks. But every time we record this, right, and I, I don't think I've, I've even spoken to you about this, Corrigan. I have no idea um, where this is going. Yeah. I I imagine what people are doing as they're listening to us. Hmm. Do you ever do, do that? You? Yeah. Are you in the car, listener? Mm. Are you walking the dog, listener? Are you at home, listener? Are you out and about? Are you? What are you doing? Um. Do, that's not, I don't necessarily tell us, but I'm just, this I mean, is something that I, that I, you can. Now I'm going to be curious about it, so. I mean, uh, unless it's but... weird. Don't tell, if it's, <laughs> don't tell us if it's weird. No, please. do. If it's weird, do tell us if it's weird. <laughs> if you're performing surgery or if Use you're. Use your discretion. Yeah. Uh, don't incriminate yourself, I guess. <laughs> but at this at this point in every cast, at this point every week, I think to myself, the people who listen to us, fucking bless their hearts what are they doing right now as as these words are echoing in their in their ears through their earbuds hmm. i wonder i like that mm. now i shall wonder the same thing as well so good thank you for blessing me with that um for the record you know we do get a, a 
you know, new listeners and whatnot each week and everything. If you are new to this, hi, hello, uh, happy to have you. Yeah. Um, and uh, just for the record, you might want to check the timestamps in the description because we do tend to ramble a bit at this point in the podcast. So if you just want to get to the point where we're talking about cursed films, there's a timestamp in the description. It's on our blog, anywhere that you can find us. And um, mm. it will tell you exactly where to go if you don't want to hear us um, just sort of on a meandering walk through the things we've watched this week and stuff. Although personally, yes. I think it's the best part, but you know, yeah, I agree. Uh, the content for me is the bit where it dips, you know, I mean, when we actually get to the, get to what we plan to talk about, that's where it comes. Yeah, I can take it. Mark loses I'm interest. Here. <laughs> it's also, it's usually quite obvious uh, on the times I have listened back when I listen, when I lose interest as well. You can often pinpoint to the second uh, where, I, where I tend to start thinking about tomorrow. Or, uh, if you're new to this uh, podcast, this doesn't really happen. Don't listen to him. He's very engaged no, the whole time and very fun to listen 100%. to. 100%. <laughs> but yes, for the record, check out the timestamps in the description if you want to um, get past the uh, just chatting about things. If you don't care about horror movies uh, and don't mm. want to hear what we think you might want to watch, uh, then, you know, you do you. Move on to that that segment. Yeah. For regular uh, listener. Oh. No, uh, I was just saying, uh, just to echo your sentiments, Corrigan, if you are new, uh, I'm delighted that you've made the decision to hit play on an episode of Joag this week, and I hope you come back. Agreed. Uh, for regular listeners to the cast, uh, good news, everyone. We have picked <laughs> our boat core. Very nice. <laughs> for the watch-along on Saturday, this coming Saturday, June 19th at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time, 8 p.m. 8 8 p.m., whatever you call the time where Mark is, English GMT. time. GMT. <laughs> um, and the movie is Ghost Ship, winning a full 50% of the votes. Uh, which, honestly, you know what, Mark? That made me feel very loved because I feel like people Good. know how much I love Ghost Ship. And it was a little gift to you, wasn't it? It Everyone was. Everyone voted it was in, a their, gift. in their droves. Yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. we know in her heart Let's of hearts. Let's give her this. <laughs> she really wants to watch Ghost Ship, and I think that's why so many people voted for it. Because I, yeah, I yeah. think probably Blood Vessel would have potentially at least been more of a challenge to it. Uh, I think maybe more of. I was surprised, like, um, Anaconda only got like a couple of votes mm. because that came up on multiple people's lists of like ideas it for did. what we it could did. watch, uh, and came out of nowhere to me. I was like, oh yeah, Anaconda. That's. That's a fun one, but thank you, friends. I am so excited to watch Ghost Ship with you all uh, and, you know, just enjoy the film that's almost got a fun Seven Deadly Sins thing going for it, and then they just kind of abandoned it part way through it's, and gave up. I am, uh, if I'm honest, more than, more than the film itself, I'm just looking forward to you just really enjoying it. That's what I'm, I'm looking really forward to. I'm really looking forward to watching you kind of, you know, uh, Ghost Ship out. <laughs> Yeah, this is, oh man, I've seen it so many times. It's one of those movies that like I know by like musical cue and everything. Mm -hmm. I just, you nice. know, it, it came from the times, like I think, I guess it was college, it must have been, um, you know, when you didn't have 
streaming or anything like that so you have those movies mm. that you just watched over and over again so it's like why i yeah. know every word of pirates of the caribbean and like stuff like that it's like i had <laughs> five dvds and i just watched them over and over On again rotation. ghost ship was absolutely one of those that i just watched and watched and watched you know and uh, i'm super stoked to watch it with everyone so please join us the link to our discord is in our link tree which you can find in all of our social media you can also find it on our blog at jackofallgraves.com and it's going to be a fun time as always i know a lot of you guys are yeah. like going out and doing things in the real world now we understand um but we're very happy for those of you that can join us to be there and hang yeah always a great laugh uh do please come along Deeb. But before that, uh, what have we been watching this week, Mark? What have, what have we been up to? So interesting one, right? And yep. I'm kind of stretching our remit here. I'm going outside <laughs> of our, uh, you know, our lane a little bit. Um, because oh, aside from the movie, aside from, <laughs> thank you. Aside from the movie <laughs> we watched together earlier, which we will get on to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, not, I'm not really one for uh, British TV drama, mm, right? Mm-hmm. And anyone listening from from this country will know pretty much what I mean by that. Um, you know, uh, often a crime drama, often a murder mystery. You know, um, big name British stars in them. Very, there's very like much appropriate a, a kind of a, adult and things like that. Exactly this broad church. You know what I mean? Exactly <laughs> I that. Do love ITV broad dramas. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Uh, the, the, it, it went off a cliff in the second series, but the first series was great. However, right, all that said. Um, there's been a, a a drama on BBC One this week called Time, which was astoundingly good. Okay. Uh, to the, it, it, so good, in fact, that it, it's in no small part at fault for the for how bastard tired I am today because I watched <laughs> the entire thing in one go. It's three one-hour episodes, and I just one after another could not tear my eyes away from it. Wow. It's a prison drama. It follows. Uh, a teacher uh, who gets sent down for four years for a crime and has a parallel story going on with one of the, the um, one of the screws, one of the guys who works in the prison. And it's just, it's, I don't know if I've said this to you before, right? But there are, there are two areas in the world that I know I would not function well in, right? Okay. One of them is the military and the other is prison. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, would definitely. fucking not cope well in jail right i just don't think i would you could barely handle handle lockdown you would not do well in jail <sighs> exactly uh and time uh really cemented that idea for mm. me to hit that home very uncompromising very harrowing uh beautifully written beautifully performed uh, written by jimmy mcgovern who's a british writer of some renown um hugely authentic feeling Mm-hmm. Um, and massively recommended. I don't know if, if you have access to it over there, but three hours will absolutely fly by. It was superb. Oh, excellent. That sounds, it sounds good. I'll see if uh, there's some way to actually watch that here. I'm not entirely mm. sure. Usually, like, eventually we'll get it. It just might not be for a while because mm. uh, Americans love your British dramas. Yes, I know. <laughs> very, very into those over here. So, you know, it'll eventually be on Netflix or whatever, because there is money to be made off of all of us who think everything sounds mm-hmm. better in a British accent. Oh, well, this is all set in the north of England, in Liverpool. Ah. So not perhaps the accent that's so beloved by you and your kinfolk. It's the kind that will require a lot of people to put on subtitles. 
You might need subs for it, actually. You might. Is, um, I don't. I have yet to find something British that I require subtitles for, um, but I know a lot of Americans that do. So <laughs> it's always yeah. interesting to me. It's basically anything that isn't, I don't know, Downton Abbey. <laughs> People it's struggle it's with. more it's more really really inland Scottish mm. that t that tends to become uh, imperceptible to those <laughs> from outside of the area. Yeah, we also don't really I don't think get a lot of that stuff mm. here, so you know yeah. that challenge is I've, not one I, that has been raised too often. I count a lot of Scottish uh, people among my very, very good friends. So mm -hmm. I, I, I kind of, I get it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I can understand how that might be quite <laughs> tough to I do navigate. remember in Scotland feeling like I had to like, mm. I was about to say try really hard, but it's actually the opposite of that. You know, the thing that I've found with any accent really is if I think too hard about it, it becomes yeah, gibberish. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. it, I cannot understand something. And so I have to kind of like be like, just like let it happen and usually i can understand something but in scotland i feel like i was like my brain was short-circuiting i was like i'm trying too hard and i yeah. can't understand anything anyone's saying to me it's almost as though you have to try and almost absorb the meaning holistically from the sounds <laughs> rather than individual words you just have to try and let your paws drink in the tone mm -hmm. and try and work out what is being conveyed yeah, rather than a, trying to make out there's a gal on uh on twitter who does like a like her sort of mission i suppose is like restoring like scottish as a language and and you okay. know she writes entirely in that sort of scottish like i mean we've talked about this before about how like the scottish population on on twitter like talk or write the way that they talk yes. which i find absolutely I charming it. and love Same. and love she's love very much about like like doing that and teaching people so she'll have like a scottish word of the day and she'll teach like these phrases and everything mm. um and you know it's it's kind of fun because you can read exactly what it sounds like um yes which I yes think is, if you yeah. just read it phonetically it will sound yeah like it like it should yeah which i think is helpful when you're trying to yes. understand something that is not your own you know manner of speaking I don't know. I feel like as like an American, especially with kind of like a neutral accent that I've cultivated over the years, I've like, I rarely am anywhere where people don't understand me. <laughs> I've never had a single issue understanding you. Yeah. So it's like, it's a, a, a thing that I try not to do with other people is like, just mm. like, write it off as I can't understand that. Like, I'm sure I yeah. can, you know. Uh, um, but with with this show, time specifically, yeah. uh, and not at all to want to, uh, you know, antagonize anyone from the area, from, from <laughs> the, the Liverpool or Wirral region. It's it, yeah, it's the 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 tone of the of the voices in it is a big part mm -hmm. of just how fucking threatening the whole thing is mm -hmm. man. it's got this wonderful vibe of just bubbling under aggression and 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 angst and anger to the whole thing Ooh. and i loved it yeah i'm in mm. i'm totally in we'll have to look cool. for that um uh, oh mm, no sorry go ahead uh, uh. <laughs> i had a thought and then i decided against it so we're good we also watched uh, We Summon the Darkness uh, earlier we this week, um, which was, I think I had seen someone recommend it 
like it, it was in the Dead and Lovely Facebook group. Someone was like, hey, I watched this movie and it's not like, you know, it's not the greatest movie ever made, but it's like a good time. I think it's like worth watching. And so I, I said to you, of course, perfectly, like, perfectly yeah, summed it. it up. Yeah, that's exactly it is. It's just a fun use of 90 minutes of your life. It's about. Yeah. And I almost don't want to like. Because there no, is a I agree. twistiness yeah, there to is. it. There um, is, there is. Yeah, it so... Does, it does blindside you. <laughs> blindside you quite early on. Yeah, exactly. It's, a, you know, it's an early little curve that it hits, but, you know, ultimately, you can tell by the name of this movie that it's a movie about Satan, or ostensibly Satan-worshipping and whatnot, and yeah. metal, and it takes place in the 80s, um, and has, like, a really fun vibe, Um and it has it Alexandra really Daddario, who I will follow to the ends of the earth. I just love her. And, um, you know, she's a blast to watch. It has Johnny Knoxville, but only kind of. Yeah, it's. I mean, <laughs> I was a little uh, offended that they saw fit to put him on the poster when he's in it, probably for about 20 minutes at the end. Yeah, but I also, uh, I mean, 20 minutes is probably pushing it. I doubt that he was in it that much. Um, but but I just also... so lovely to see him, though. Yeah, I find it, there's something that I kind of love, though, about putting Johnny Knoxville on the poster to sell it. Like, you know, like, mm. that's your guy, like, he's barely in this movie, but they put him on there. Like, you know how we're going to get people to watch this movie? Johnny fucking Knoxville. Knoxville. And yep. it worked. It worked for me. It did. It really did. And, he, you know, it, it was it was genuinely pleasant to see him because yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think you see anything near enough of Johnny Knoxville, Absolutely even when not. he's not... You know, doing what he does, yeah. he's he's a, he's a very compelling presence on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing I took away from Jackass, right, was that he is a funny motherfucker. Yeah, absolutely. He is. <laughs> he's a naturally as shit. self-effacing. Yeah. Uh, very dry, just a funny motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, I've I I I got a lot of affection for Johnny Knoxville, and it was great to see him. Uh, yeah, it was a good film. Three stars. Take your three stars, we summon the darkness. Take your three stars and be gone. <laughs> On the opposite end of the spectrum, though, from a movie that someone being in it uh, draws me to it, um, I watched a movie another person had recommended called Rent-A-Pal. Have you seen this? Hmm. I think I have access to it. I've seen it on a, I've seen it thumbnail kicking around. Wild Ride. Oh. I absolutely would oh, not really? have watched it um, because, listen... I will defend Wesley Crusher to the ends of the earth against those who yeah. speak ill of him, but Will Wheaton, bless him, not the greatest actor on the planet, and his <laughs> is he not? Um, like he has this California accent that like drives me up the wall. Uh, okay. I was he uh, reads the audiobook of Ready Player One, and I listened okay. to like the equivalent of like two pages of it, and I was like, nope, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> Um, love this guy, you know, I've, I've met him, told him he was my childhood crush, you know, love him, but I don't watch movies because he's in them. Uh, however, not a draw for me. Someone was like, yeah, this, they posted the, the poster of it and like on it, it was like, Will, Will Wheaton plays one of the like scariest villains of the year or something like that. And I was like, okay, interesting. And it's about this guy. Uh, this also takes place. It's either the 80s or the 90s. I'm not entirely sure which. But he is uh, doing like video dating. 
um, okay. and having no luck with it. And he's just this sort of down on his luck hmm. dude who lives with his mother, who he's a caregiver for because she's got really bad dementia and he has to kind of do everything for her. Um, yeah. And, you know, just rough life kind of thing. And he's trying and trying to meet someone through these video things and not getting any bites. And he's in the like office to record a new video to try to do better. And he sees in the bin this video entitled Rent-A-Pal. Uh, and he takes it home and it's kind of like a guy talking to you like Dora the Explorer, you know, like, hey, buddy, how are you doing? Like, and you're supposed to like fill in the other end of it. And at first he's like, this is stupid. But then he gets like, he's so lonely, he starts to get into it. And then things spiral wildly. Um, right. And it is... Well, that is a absolutely <laughs> fantastic premise for a film. Yeah, right. I, like the whole concept... Of it, I mean, and the thing is, because you don't know, like, what can you do with a tape that just plays the same thing over and over again? How do yeah. how do you make a horror movie about something like that? And thus, you can't really predict it. You don't know where this thing is going to go, because mm -hmm. that's all you've got to work with. And it <laughs> absolutely works and is very dark. I mean, just. Yeah, wonderful, it's grim, wonderful. <laughs> right, right, right. Say no more. Say no yeah. more. It's a gimmick that was used to terrific effect, uh, as um, Kristen would attest in an episode of Doctor Who called "Don't Blink." Oh yeah, uh, a you saw that one? Of course. Yes, there you go. Um, <laughs> the 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 replying back to a to mm -hmm. a, you know, um, a TV image mm -hmm. and having a conversation having a conversation with a tape that doesn't even know you're there. Lovely, mm -hmm. really good stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know why this occurred to me. Did you just mention Elijah Wood or did I make that up? Uh, you made that up. I think maybe because okay. I was talking about Will Wheaton, you thought child stars. Yes, and that's what it was. Yourself. That's what it was. Elijah Wood apparently uh, is interested in bringing back Elm Street. Really? Yep. Saw a tweet earlier today. Elijah Wood, man. He is. He's always on top of it. He knows what's going on. I mean, he makes he a does. lot of movies that I cannot watch, but <laughs> he, he, when it comes to horror, that guy is a fan to his core. Well, his maniac was terrific. I could not watch it. Didn't I? I made it ten minutes, and I was like, nope, 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 nope. It was. It. It. it, it trust me, it was great. It was easily the equal of the original. Yeah. Uh. So what did I see him in recently? Come to Daddy. Yeah, Come to Daddy. I just watched that one. Also recently. excellent. Very. Um. Uh, uh, jarring kind of tonally kind of weird yeah. film I mean he's kind of it's sort of like what we were talking about with um, with Michael Keaton last week that Elijah Wood yep. is one of those people who he is willing to get weird you know he yep. <laughs> just kind of like if that's what the movie calls for yeah let's do it Completely. let's do something super weird something humiliating something Completely. bizarre uh, and Commit. he'll just go for it, you know? I mean, that's, like, my thing with Maniac is I just, like, it was too much, you know? I couldn't, the, I mean, scalping is one of the things that I just, like, cannot deal with anyway. But, like, the mm. first person thing, all of it was just a yeah, little yeah, too yeah, much yeah, for yeah. me. But, Here we go. you know, go he's, on. yeah, he's, I can't fault him for that. And you see his name show up, like, as a producer of a lot of horror movies and stuff like that, too. Hmm. Uh, here we go. Elijah Wood wants to reboot Elm Street and Children of the Corn. Ugh. Why not? <laughs> Having just watched Children of the Corn, I'm like, Ugh. but you know what? <laughs> there could be a good movie in there. Just the movie that exists was not a good movie. Mm. So you know what? Yeah, let them reboot. Honestly, that's what I always say, right? Like, don't reboot shit that we already love. 
and then just make a worse movie. Take something that Mm. was a good idea done badly. So you know what? Mm. Yes, make Children of the Corn. I'm on board. Get it, Elijah. Uh, I might tweet him just that. Tweet him a link to this episode. You got your back, Elijah. <laughs> Do it, buddy. Yeah, there we go. We can make a clip. Uh, <laughs> I watched The Unholy, which was not particularly good. Also, speaking of accents, Carrie Elwes is in that. Okay. Is that how you pronounce his name? I mean, I have literally YouTubed how to say it so many times, and every single interviewer says it differently. So I just yeah, go I've with, struggled with that. How, it's, how it's spelled. Elways, Elways. Anyways, whatever his name is, uh, I don't know why they can't just let him be English and stuff because he has the worst American accents, like the absolute worst. And in everything, you're always like, what is that that he's doing? So in The Unholy, he has a like Boston accent and it is absurd. Like it just sounds British. Uh, but then occasionally, you know, pops in your little like pack the car in Harvard yard type, like re- hitting it real hard, and you're like oh god, no, buddy, oh, it's that's really oh, it's funny. So painful, it's so painful. Um, oh, Carrie. Yeah, but I mean, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is very charming and handsome in the unholy and whatnot, and there's some cool like the ghost or the spirit witch demon thing in it uh the design is that what it is, is it's really a spooky cool. spooky ghost film is it yeah um about okay. a girl who's who's um deaf and she um can't speak and she suddenly starts speaking after seeing this apparition and then you know it becomes like a thing the whole town is like well this town is a town of miracles and other people start getting healed but is it really of god or is it something of the unholy not really Beauty worth your time <laughs> but uh i also watched rewatched the witch um and you said mm. that one didn't work for you and that one no, oh, man i love the witch that is i mean i look I, I know that i'm uh hugely in the minority when sure. i say that it didn't work for me and i seem to remember i mean was it something to do with how or where or when i watched it i, I remember mm. not being able to quite give it my full attention sure yeah uh I, I I feel I owe it to myself and I owe it to the film to go back and give it another run because everybody yeah. else loves it. It does. I mean, it absolutely needs your entire attention. And there was yeah, a, yeah, a yeah. thunderstorm <clears> the other <throat> day and I was like, I put down my phone and I sat and I was like, this is exactly the vibe I want while I'm sitting mm-hmm. watching this. And it like <laughs> it genuinely was scary to watch that in a thunderstorm. I was like, I feel uneasy. And every like sometimes Love a it. really loud crack of thunder would come and like my stomach would drop. And I was like, oh, <clears throat> this is so good. It just, I also feel like, I was talking to my friend um, Emily about this, like, uh, when it comes to sort of, like, religious horror, right, how, like, demons don't do anything for me, but there's something about the witch and the way that it's, like, very situated in, like, American, America's religious zealotry that hits really hard, like, it's, it's less about, like the witch itself or whatever because you don't encounter any witches or anything for a good chunk of the movie but about Mm. like you know these people who are like so incredibly religious so religious they're too religious for the extremely religious people who already live there and like Mm. move out and the things that they do in their zealotry and the idea of suffering 
uh, like being of God and like the more you suffer, like, you know, that's really God's favor and stuff like that. And I feel like that the fact that that attitude is still so prevalent in America makes this even scarier where you can just kind of like see this happening now. Uh, have you seen uh, a movie called Hagazusa? No. Right. I'm going to send you a link to that because I do. think you would love it. It is. It feels in the same uh, in the same mold as The Witch. It's very quiet. It's very mm-hmm. contemplative. It's very beautiful yeah. uh, and deals with witchcraft and deals with, you know, the, the, the paranoia surrounding it. Yeah. Ooh, the um, paranoia. That's like a big... A yeah, big yeah, part yeah. of it, I, yeah. I think it would be right up your street. I will uh, hook you up. Yeah, send that to me. And finally, the mm-hmm. other thing that I watched um, was Friday the 13th Part 6. Um, Ooh. And I'm not like a huge Friday the 13th person, so I don't mm. think I'd ever gotten that far in the series. It's a really right. fun movie. A few of them in the middle there are the, the, the Tommy Jarvis <laughs> trilogy. A few of those fuckers right there in the middle are great. Is right, remind me, is part six the one with the telepathic girl? No, this is Jason Lives, not telepathic, telekinetic. Jason Lives, right? Yeah. Okay, so it starts in the graveyard mm-hmm. with the yeah, with Yeah, and... wicked, really cool. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah. god, that is a belter. That yeah, is a belter. it's so much fun. It's like extremely self aware. Um, I was yep. listening to Dead and Lovely talk about it, and you can tell when you're watching this, like. They were like, you know, this movie influenced, and I was like, they're going to say Kevin Williamson. It's like, Kevin Williamson. I'm like, I knew it. Like, you can, as soon as they said it influenced something, yeah. I was like, this absolutely influenced Scream. This, you know, yeah. you can totally see what this turned into in later popular culture and just is an absolutely phenomenal, self aware time um, of just like an hour and a half of ridiculousness. Um, you don't really, yep. it's cuts away from your kills and stuff, which I know you generally don't like, but it's, it works in this. And honestly, sometimes they show the aftermath of them and they're extremely gory. So mm. I, don't, I don't know why they were pulling their punches there, but fun movie, really fun. No, Jason, Jason will always be my second favorite. Oh yeah. Of the, of the, of the big, of the big few. Yeah. Um, uh, just ahead of Chucky and quite some way ahead of Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, right? Friday the 13th, it, it it knows that it has to keep one-upping itself right. as it goes along, yeah. you know? And it does that. Whereas Halloween, all Halloween did was just yeah. get worse. It's true. Jason just kept piling on the fucking madness. <laughs> uh, and honestly, and I think that's up- the thing is I like later jason movies when i say like i'm not into them i'm like i like the first friday the 13th i can honestly take or leave and like you know the it's i guess not until it gets more like over the top that i'm like okay yeah no when it it found it it settled into what it was Mm -hmm. it it realized what it was and it it became all the better for it yeah and i think Um, it seems like six is kind of where it really figured that out where it's like okay mm. yeah this is we know what this <laughs> franchise is you can just throw Chucky in a weird time yeah weird satire in the middle of it and be like yes yeah and our audience mm. will accept this and love it and you know go on with it so i recommend that it's on stars i think here um and it's you know it's absolutely worth your time to watch yeah totally agree no arguments there at all and I believe we have a metal banger over the end credits. There. Yeah, exactly. And then I was like, oh, my God. That was one of those moments where yep. I was sitting by myself watching something. And I'm like, oh, 
like looking around like somebody please <laughs> somebody please be experiencing this with me like thank goodness we live in the age of twitter where i can just tweet a thing like that and get some you know immediate um feedback but yeah there is an alice cooper jam at the mm-hmm. end of uh of that which is quite fun so yeah yeah nice nice you've you've made me want to revisit friday it's been a while it's worth it yeah do it mm. why not it's summertime. This is exactly Yay. the time you're supposed to do that. <laughs> well, shall we talk about cursed films, Mark? I'd love to. I mean, you can consider this a kind of a sequel to mm-hmm. uh, on-set accidents that we spoke of a couple of yes. weeks back. Uh, those movies where the fucking the the mayhem seems to radiate outwards and drag other people into its into its 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 slipstream almost. <laughs> yeah. whether it's through shoddy fucking planning or amateurish execution or a lax approach to you know health and safety practices yeah. or whatever there have been notable examples of just films which have just been this tumbling domino effect of fuck-ups one after another often resulting in ruined careers shortened lives you know, financial ruin, uh, maiming, accidental death in some cases. And it's fascinating because where do you, at what point do you as a studio or a director just throw your hands up and go, ah, fuck it, pull the plug, fuck off, right. we're like, not releasing uh, the, that. What's the Terry Gilliam one, the Don Quixote one? Don Quixote, yes. <laughs> it's just like, this is, this nah. is just not going to work. This is so, mm. so cursed. You just can't, you can't work with it anymore. Everything went wrong. Although they did eventually make that like a year or two ago, didn't they? Uh, yeah, talk about a labor of love. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah, that happens. Not that I've sometimes. seen it. No, mm. I haven't either. I know mm. Terry Gilliam is an asshole, and now I know it. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but if you haven't listened yet, go back and listen to our our episode on um, some of those onset disasters and whatnot. But with cursed films, it feels like it can kind of expand outside of what happens on the set to just generally movies that seem to attract a whole hell of a lot of bad juju of sorts. Mm. Uh, And everything that could go wrong did or various reasons terrible stuff surround the production or aftermath of a film being made. Um, I think I'm trying to think of like, do we just go out the gate with the probably most famous cursed? Film, if, I mean, if, yeah, if you were to, if you were to approach me and go tell, pick a cursed film for me, Mark, my first, I would go immediately to Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Yeah, absolutely. Poltergeist. Uh, is sort of known as just like a hugely cursed film, mostly because not necessarily of anything that happened on set itself, Mm. um, but because of the spate of horrific deaths that happened to people who were involved with the film. Now, one thing that did happen on set that is worth pointing out that perhaps people might attribute uh, this curse to um, is the famous skeletons in the pool scene uh, mm. where the uh, the mother of the family <clears throat> slips into the pool, is trying to pull her way out. It's muddy um, and finds herself amongst a sea of skeletons that she's reacting to. What she did not know, nor any of the other actors, was that these were real skeletons. 
Now, I've I've always thought that this was apocryphal. I'd always thought that this wasn't actually that this is like an urban myth. But is, is this according to legit? her? I mean, Fucking that's what hell. she was told afterwards. Um, and uh, there is actually an interview you can see where she's talking about this. Now, it may be maybe someone was fucking with her um, mm. and that's not real. But she was told afterwards that because of the cost of creating like a pool full of rubber skeletons, uh, they decided to go with actual skeletons, which to Actu- me seems like it would be more expensive, but... I don't know yeah. how this works. Uh, <laughs> I'm so, I'm not a lawyer, but I also yeah. would wonder if that would be strictly legal, just right. dumping a load of fucking corpses on your set. Yeah, well, but. I would I would be concerned. So it may be apocryphal. All I know yeah. is that this is what she was told happened at this time. Like I said, you can see an interview with her. I think I linked to it in the blog um, where she talks about the fact that she found this out later. Um, mm. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's not true. Doesn't matter. What really uh, surrounded this movie was a lot, honestly, worse than whether there were skeletons in this pool or not. Um, now, a couple of the deaths, there were like notably four deaths that were related to people who worked on this film. And two of them were not that interesting. Like one person um, died of cancer, stomach cancer, uh, shortly after this. I mean... That happens. Um, another one no. uh, died of like some form of congenital disease that also, you know, it's not like they didn't know mm. they had this. So it wasn't freak. These were th- mm. long term illnesses that these people had that were eventually going to kill them anyway. But two mm. of the deaths that were surrounding this were absolutely unexpected. Um, so first, there was the murder of Dominique Dunn. Ooh. Yeah, which is. Absolutely terrible story. Um, I won't even get all the way into just all of the details of it, but it's a horrific story. Um, And actually her father, Dominic Dunn, wrote an article in Vanity Fair about it, um, like shortly after the end of the trial of her murderer. But this was a like very, it was a, you know, abusive ex-boyfriend stalker situation. Um, So... The man was named John Sweeney, and he was a chef at a, a like very swank L.A. restaurant called Ma Maison. And that was where I guess she had met him. It was like, according to Dominic Dunn, this was the kind of place where like they didn't even list their phone number for this restaurant because they didn't want like, you know, just mm. people wandering in. They wanted only like the elite to come to this restaurant. So he was the chef there um, and began dating Dominique. Um, and it, you know, when he met the family initially most of them were like yeah he seems pretty cool except for her brother Alex who from the get-go was like there's just something off about this guy I don't really like him notably her other brother by the way um is um Griffin Dunn from uh, American Werewolf in London so okay. they're like a hugely famous family like her dad was a producer her like aunt was Joan Didion like it's a very very famous group of people So her brother Alex didn't like him from the start, just was like, "Mm, something's off about this guy. Uh, And as they continued dating, other sort of red flags began to occur to the rest of the family. Um, At one point, you know, her dad and the rest of her family were sort of joking with her about getting married. And she was like, I'm never I'm never getting married. You know, (laughs) like that's not that's not a thing. Um, But it seemed like, you know, it irked Sweeney. Mm. Um, yep. and you know, Dominic Dunn remembers calling, uh, his 
ex-wife, um, and they were very, very close anyway, um, and saying like, oh, he is way more in love with her than she is with him, you know? But it was like, it, it still didn't like raise hackles necessarily. They were just kind of like, oh, you know, well, our daughter is lovable, of course, you know, someone would fall for her. Um, uh-huh. But then there were other things that had happened, like um, there, Alex had said that there had been an incident um, at a restaurant where uh, Sweeney went to the men's room and a guy at the bar recognized Dominique from Poltergeist. And so there had been like this line, you know, it's what's happening line that was in Poltergeist that became kind of like, you know, that's the thing you shout at her because it was in these commercials sure, yeah, that yeah, were yeah, on yeah, TV yeah. all the time. So like everyone uh-huh. constantly heard this line. So this like kind of drunk guy like yelled that at her. It wasn't flirtation, anything of the kind. Um, but when Sweeney returned to the table and saw that the guy was talking to her, he became enraged and picked up the man and shook him. Um Alex said that his reaction was completely out of proportion to the incident and that he, at that point, realized that Sweeney was actually a scary person. At one point, Dominique told her dad, um, he's not in love with me, he's obsessed with me and it's driving me crazy. So eventually, she breaks up with him. um, Mm. And weeks later, uh, Dominique gets a call that uh, Dominique is in the emergency room and he asks what happened, and his mother just says, Sweeney. And Sweeney mm. had come to her home um, and strangled her. Uh, Christ. Yeah, and at the time, uh, an actor who was working with her on um, V was there with her. Uh, his name was David yeah. Packer. Um, and he was so scared because Sweeney was like just crazy when he came there that he actually called a friend and left a message on the answering machine saying, if I die tonight, it was by John Sweeney. Christ. Like, just completely unhinged territorial dude. Um, so Dominique was you know, in the hospital taken there and it became very clear that she had such incredible brain damage that there was, she was never coming back from this. Strangling um, feels to me as though it's one of those methods of killing someone where it 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 can only be premeditated. It can only be a decision to end someone's life. Right. I mean, you, you don't you don't you commit you don't, to it because yes, it's not in like yes, you know in yes. movies it's like oh you like hold someone for ten seconds and then they pass out or mm. whatever. In real life, it's like usually there's like you've crushed someone's windpipe. It takes minutes to do like it's not a quick process at all so if you carry out strangling someone you've absolutely committed to murdering them you know that's not a that's not an oops uh Mm. that happens you know and so and and imagine how terrifying that would be then just the rage that someone has that they would do that to someone in Mm. front of you you know come in and, and do that so just like a really really horrific story she was 22 years old really like at the height of her career she'd just come off of um the movie fame obviously poltergeist was about to be in v um and this guy came and murdered her um so just terrible and obviously something that yeah shouldn't have happened you could not possibly predict 
the other death <clears throat> was very freak and sad as well. And that was the death of Heather O'Rourke, who was 12 years old and played uh, Carol Ann in three, mm. three Poltergeist movies. Um, a section of Heather's intestine burst after ballooning to yeah. four inches in diameter. Um, I vaguely, vaguely, vaguely remember this happening way, way, way back in my youth. I remember this making the news and being... yeah. And there was like, you know, it was one of those things that also spawned urban legends. Like people said that like she drank pop rocks and soda and that was what did it and stuff like that. You know, just like standard, like because there's no internet or anything like that at the time. It's really sort of right for people to hear something bonkers happen to a Mm -hmm. very young girl who, Mm -hmm. you know, there was no sign that this kind of thing was happening to her. Um, And so, you know, that's the meaning that people assigned to it. It was like, oh, you know. Pop rocks and soda. That's what did it. Um, she had had an inter- intestinal parasite the winter before, probably from well water at her former home in Big Bear. And her doctors. What? Yeah, what? What parts? What? What? She got a parasite from drinking well water. Yeah. Yeah. In the 80s. In the 80s, yeah. Paras- this is. Oh, this should be a, a cold open sometime too because this terrifies me. Parasites in water that can like kill you are super common. Like, people die every year in lakes here from, like, amoebas and parasites and whatnot that, like, eat your brain and whatnot. So this is actually not a hugely uncommon what thing. What the fuck? Yeah. I have no idea about this. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm going to have to write that one down. Maybe that's next, okay. next week's cold open because I'm terrified <laughs> of it. it. Honestly, I love lakes, but I'm also yeah. terrified of swimming in them. It's also like there's a lot of places they'll be like, don't let your dog go in there because we know there's a bunch of these and they don't know not to swallow the water. But neither okay. do I. I still swallow it. Sometimes you go under and it happens. Oh, it freaks me out. So, yeah, she got a parasite from well water. Uh, Big Bear's up in the mountains in L.A. area. Um, and the doctors assumed that the parasite inflamed her intestine. Oh, by the way, one of her doctors was named Frank Sinatra. That was kind of fun. <laughs> Imagine going through your life, Doctor Frank Sinatra. <laughs> oh boy, hard to get people to take you seriously. Um, yeah. But uh, the spokeswoman for the hospital of San- Children's Hospital of San Diego said she died of septic shock due to congenital stenosis of the lower intestine or bowel, which means she died of shock caused by infection in the blood, which in turn was caused by a birth defect that made a section of her intestine abnormally narrow so this is like a wow. like a whole bunch of little factors coming together and this is Perfect why people yeah, 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 yeah why people think it's a curse is like that it shouldn't happen out of nowhere such narrowing typically reduces bowel diameter to one eighth inch instead of a normal half inch impending impeding movement of food and fluid through the bowel this defect is usually apparent at birth because it causes severe abdominal pain vomiting and nausea so it's super Mm. rare for a child to like not have symptoms of this it usually makes your life very difficult and she didn't suffer from chronic digestive problems and the uh, until yeah until this and then she was in surgery and they found that and she died on the operating table um, after suffering cardiac arrest en route to the hospital so again total just like freak you can see why dickheads start throwing terms like curse around yeah exactly like you know they're they're seeing a pattern here in these Mm. kinds of things it obviously isn't there but you know it's Terrible things did happen to people. And much later, mm. um, in 2009, Lou Perryman, who played Pugsley, who was also in uh, Texas 2, 
um, was murdered <clears throat> with an axe in his own no. home. No. Yeah. Uh, Who did he play in Texas too? Who was he? I meant to look it up, but I forgot. <laughs> I was like, I didn't see a picture. So I was like, uh, but. Um, go on, dude. Do, do, yeah, go I'll on. tell you the rest while you look that up. A man named Seth Christopher Tatum had recently been released from prison for aggravated robbery. Um, he had gone off his medications and had been. He was LG, man. The oh, fucking guy from the radio station. Yeah. Oh, that guy. I liked him. Yeah, so this no. guy had gone off of his medications and been drinking. Uh, he yeah. rolled up to the police and he was like, uh, hey, I stole a truck. And also, I think I might have killed the guy whose truck it was. Oh, uh, no. And sure enough, the cops went and they did a welfare check at Perryman's home and they found him dead of axe wounds. So Incredible. Just one, one final little uh, bit of the curse Incredible. left over. His final film was in 2003, a comedy drama film called When Zachary Beaver Came to Town. <laughs> Seems legit. That was his that was his legacy. <laughs> oh man, that's that's actually that's actually got me right there. LG yeah. was fucking axed to death by uh, uh, by just rough. a guy who yeah, you know, was off his meds and drunk. Mm. And uh, he wrong place wrong time kind of situation. Didn't know him. Curse. It's the curse, the curse of poltergeist. poltergeist. Yeah. What have you got? Who else has been cursed? See, again, it's what what I think a lot of people would call a curse is actually just the result of some just some fucking shoddy filmmaking practice, right? Sure. Yep. Um, the beloved classic, The Wizard of Oz, right? Mm. Do you have any clue what went down during the making of that fucking film? Not at all. No. Christ. Um. <laughs> So many people came and went, right, just behind the scenes. I mean, that film had no less than five different directors coming and going during, really? the, during the creation of that film, right? <laughs> uh, the shoot dragged on for years and years and years. Um, <laughs> they, were, they had two guys playing the Tin Man, right? The first guy uh, had to quit the production because, uh, the t believe it or not, the makeup that they used for the Tin Man originally was simply powdered aluminium. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what it was. Wow. Aluminium dust. And the original or tin man completely for Americans, but <laughs> aluminum dust! They covered him in that shit. Um they literally coated the guy, a guy called Buddy Ebsen, they coated him in aluminium dust, which unsurprisingly, Kel Surprise fucked his lungs up. Yeah. Right? Completely coated his lungs and left him hospitalized. Jeez oh, um, Louise. So they got the uh, uh, the second Tin Man in. They toned down the makeup uh, and just they turned the aluminium into a kind of a paste, which they gingerly would spread over him rather than just dusting Dust. him with aluminium. <laughs> it um, seems like a better idea anyway, just from a makeup perspective. But, but you know, if it's if it's dodgy fucking, you know, uh, makeup and special effects you want, there's a scene where uh, snow is used, right? Mm -hmm. The the. The fake snow was just asbestos. That's all it was. It was just simply asbestos oh that they just poured onto the fucking set. Oh, the... no. My God. Just asbestos. A lot of mesothelioma um, the... that has come uh, out of this. Uh... Absolutely. God. And the injuries keep piling up. Uh, Margaret Hamilton, who played the Wicked Witch, uh, had to take some time away from set because she was badly burned to her face and hand. Second and third degree burns when an explosion gag went wrong. She was meant to fall through a trap door on set. 
to facilitate her disappearance from this explosion. The trap door uh, was, you know, a couple of seconds late opening. Bang, she's on fire. Second and third degree burns to her chest uh, and uh, hand and face. So they got a stand in who was then also burnt by another <laughs> fucking explosion gig going wrong. Um, the stand in had a, a scene on a broomstick where the broomstick had to like uh, shoot off flames. It was basically she was sat on a, on a pipe, a pipe with smoke coming out the back of it, which exploded uh, and led to her taking time off as well. Um, the infamous like, flying monkeys. Did you ever monkeys. watch the, the show Dinosaurs? Yes. And you know yes, how they had like that like Mr. Wizard. It filled the Alf gap for me for a little while. Yeah, there you go. Oh, it's a brilliant show. Yeah. They had like this yeah, Mr. Yeah. Wizard character on it and he had like a sidekick named Timmy. And right. they would always like... <laughs> It, it was like the, you know, they killed Kenny gag or whatever, essentially, before that was a thing. But it was like they would, he yeah. would always like blow up or something like that and be like, oh, <laughs> looks like we're going to need another Timmy. This yeah, feels very like much, how they were doing this. Very the much Wars. the vibe on yeah. Wizard of Oz. Um, the, the infamous flying monkeys from Wizard of Oz. There was a scene, uh, a, a, a day on set where the, the flying monkey costumes were heavy, right? They had batteries in them, mechanics in them mm, to make mm-hmm. the wings flap. Uh, and to suspend these poor guys in these monkey costumes from the ceilings, they just used piano wire, which they hadn't tested with the weight of the costumes. Oh and on the first day of filming with the flying monkeys, you know that song, Let the Bodies Hit the Floor? Oh, God. It was just... Ba-doom, doom, doom, no! Doom. Just flying monkeys cascading from the ceiling. Uh, no deaths from that one, and uh, you'll be glad to know. Yikes. But, yeah, um, a lot of wasted money, a lot of wasted time, a lot of injuries. Yeah. But, you know, like I said earlier on, Real curses from from films like this are those that extend, like with the murders that you spoke about there in Poltergeist, the real curses are those that extend out off the set mm-hmm. and into the lives of the performers involved. And that very much seems to be the case with poor Judy Garland. I mean, um, Judy Garland died at 47, right? She died at age 47 in London of a barbiturate overdose. And it really feels as though the seeds mm. of that was sown in her youth on that set. I mean, she'd been... Uh, her mother had started off by giving her uppers and downers to keep her performing for, for days at a time in her right, youth when yeah. she was as young as eight and ten. Jeez. But on set, on set during The Wizard of Oz, right? She wasn't allowed food. Uh, <laughs> she was restricted to a diet of uh, chicken soup and coffee, Right. At 16 years old, to keep her appetite down so she would stay slim, the studio forced her to smoke. She would smoke 40 oh cigarettes god. a day. Oh my god. She would smoke 40 fucking cigarettes a day at 16 oh, while laced up into a fucking corset on a diet of coffee and chicken soup, often with filming stretches on for 72 hours at a time. Oh, she must and have they had would stuff her like full of amphetamines. Absolutely. Mm. And given just speed, amphetamines all the fucking time to keep her going and to keep her appetite and keep her weight down. A kid of 16, man. And that leads to a life beset with eating disorders, with depression, with drug abuse issues. And that leads to to the poor girl dead at 47 in London. Yeah, it's hard not to trace a straight line from those things. I mean, that is absolutely... What happened on that film over years of filming? You said like over years that's... of filming. And she would she would get she would come in for abuse from the studio as well. They would call her fat. They would call her a pig. They would really fucking crush that girl. Uh, all the while feeding her drugs and restricting food. They would take notes in between takes of what she was eating. They would write down her fucking food intake. Ugh, it's you know, miserable. It's absurd. Absolutely horrific. And yeah, 
uh, combined with at best what could at best be described as a chaotic filming, yeah, a chaotic set. Uh, that feels like a very cursed film. Yep, absolutely. That sounds like a nightmare. Mm. <laughs> it's absolutely terrible. And you know, uh, another cursed film that has that sort of mix of of you know maybe not treating your actors the way that they should be treated and you know kind of all of the chaos around that is the exorcist um okay which uh had all kinds of things go wrong um and this (laughs) a lot of the exorcist stories around this being a cursed film i think Mm. there is a degree Again, like with Poltergeist, where you're like, eh, some of this may be apocryphal because, you know, William Friedkin really leaned in and the studio really leaned in to the idea of The Exorcist as a cursed film because it was good advertising. Sure. You know, the, yeah, 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 I, like you you can look at stuff from the time of like, oh, 12 people passed out when they went and saw screenings of it. And like it was supposed to yeah. just, you know, they really wanted people to think that uh-huh. this film had this dark power to it, you know? Um, so amongst the things that allegedly happened was that um, the set caught fire in the night um, and supposedly everything burned in like the house set except for Reagan's bedroom. That was the only thing that was <laughs> intact afterwards. Um, I love it. Yeah, so they, they had to you know, uh, rebuild the set after it caught fire. And it was from, um, gosh, something really goofy happened that it was like a bird flew into like a power source of some kind, like just like a really dumb way for something mm. to, to catch fire. So I, the de- fire definitely did happen. I don't know about, you know, the Reagan's room being the only perfectly preserved thing, but yeah, a bird lit the set on fire. Um, there were, um, uh, Max von Sydow's brother died right before they started filming it. Um, Linda Blair's grandpa died during the filming of it. And a special effects expert who uh, was working on the film also died during the filming of this um, film. See, like I asked you earlier, and again in reference to The Wizard of Oz, at what point do you pull the fucking plug right. if <laughs> yeah. three people on, on your set have fucking died? <laughs> And your set is burned down. Yeah, you're like, uh, you just maybe go, it's... Uh... Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we don't do this. Mm. Well, a lot of stuff happened, too, because of just the way that this was directed. And, and Linda Blair has, like, this very interesting relationship with this film, where on the one hand, like, when she talks about Friedkin, she says, like, you know, he, he was a genius. Um, and thus, like, when you get on a set with a genius, they do some things that uh you know to entertain you to do you know they will sacrifice you to make something for millions of people and i'm mm. like i don't know i don't know if i buy that but okay she also there's things she like was so traumatized from the experience of making this movie and how she was treated afterwards that she just won't talk about um you know like she was given bodyguards after this film and she won't talk about that but because people associated her with the evil you know, and so yeah. people would like, you know, threaten harm to her when she was walking around yeah, and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. Like, it's a little girl in a movie. Like, get your shit together. Sure. But um, in the famous sort of scene where she's in the bed and she's like really being like thrown around, jerked around, all that kind of stuff. She had this harness on her and there were actually guys under the bed 
jerking her around like actually I so think I've, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, yeah, I you know it's <laughs> physically someone is yanking her back and forth during this scene um and she i guess the lacing on the harness came loose and mm. so she was not braced as she was doing this anymore and her back was just going back and forth being yanked back and forth uh, and you can see it in the film. That's what they used. She is screaming bloody murder and all of this stuff. But they're like, yeah, she's acting. That's what, you know, this called for. But really, she had actually, like, um, fractured her spine Oh <laughs> from this. Yeah. And that wasn't the only spinal injury that was that happened on the set of this. Ellen Burstyn uh, was, there's a scene where she's sort of, like, thrown across the room, essentially. And so in order to give that, that look that she's being thrown, you know, that kind of like being tossed by something incredibly strong look. Mm. Um, they had a harness on her and again, oh. people pulling Yank. that harness. Mm. So they'd done a couple takes of this and freaking was like, ah, it's just not quite right. Um, and in the take again, that you see in the film, he had told the people pulling the harness, pull harder, really go to town. And uh, Ellen Burstyn lets out just this pain to shriek. Oh, Again, if you God. watch this knowing what happened, she is pulled back against the wall, slams her head against the wall, slams her back on the floor, um, and received permanent spinal damage from the filming of that scene. So as you point out, this is like these cursed films are often just a matter of like, people being real cavalier with other people's yep. safety on sets. Um, yeah, to be that's being charitable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at a time when a lot of the rules weren't put in place about it, too, that you didn't have uh, as many things put in place to protect actors from being used mm. in these kinds of ways. Um, now, one of the uh, more interesting elements of this cursed film is that there's an actual serial killer in it. Um, in the scene where Reagan goes in and she's like getting sort of like the, um, like some sort of surgical procedure is being done. on. Yeah, her. I know. I know. She's having a spinal. Yeah. Like something of yeah. that nature. So Friedkin had actually seen a procedure like this performed, um, at like UCLA hospital or something like that. And he wanted to get the actual people who did it to do it in the film. So those are that's like an yeah. actual radiologist, an actual uh, radiology yeah, yeah, yeah. tech, all of that kind of stuff. One of those, the tech, he was the chief neurotechnology radiologist at the time, was a man named Paul Bateson. So you see him in this film. You can go look at it or you can see screenshots of this. Um, here's what happened with Mr. Paul Bateson later on. In 1977 and 78, uh, gay men in uh, New York were terrorized by a series of bag murders uh, in which six oh. male victims were mutilated and dismembered, their remains wrapped in black plastic bags and dumped into the Hudson River. Some of them wa washed up on the Jersey Shore. Others came to ground near the World Trade Center. Um, police traced items of recovered clothing to a shop in Greenwich Village that catered to gays and distinctive tattoos identified one of the victims as what they called a known homosexual. Because obviously this is at okay. a time when, you know, wasn't super yeah, popular yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. to be gay, Gotta know especially who you are. in yep. New York. Um, so the rest of the bodies, though, didn't have identities um, and the cause of death wasn't necessarily clear. So they weren't officially 
classified as homicide, but uh, as cuppies, which is circumstances undetermined pending police investigation. It's a really cute Mm. phrase for something very grisly. You can't be fucked to work this out. Yeah, exactly. Um, But a solution in the case derived from evidence collected in an unrelated case. On September 14th, 1977, a film critic by the name of Addison Verrill was beaten and stabbed to death in his New York apartment. Uh, And a man named Paul Bateson, an x-ray technician, confessed to meeting Verrill in a Greenwich Village gay bar after having sex Bateson crushed his victim's skull with a metal skillet, afterwards stabbing Beryl in the heart. So he was convicted in 1979 and got a term of 20 years to life in prison. And while he was in prison, he bragged to other people about killing other men for fun, dismembering their bodies and dropping the bagged remains in the Hudson River. My God. Yeah. Uh, Apparently the movie Cruising is uh, based on this. Um, but yeah, so that's a that's a person you can actually see in The Exorcist. They haven't cut him out or anything like that. If you watch that it's movie, incredible. you're seeing an actual serial killer. Uh, Such a lot going on there. I mean, yeah. to call a spade a spade, keeping I th- those working practices that you're describing there, right? Inflicting actual psychological and physical damage on people to get the on-screen result that you want. That is bad enough, right? Yeah. But then using that material in the fucking final cut that mm-hmm. exactly that flavors you the injure someone film, and then it? you use it like yeah 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 yeah. oof that's horrifying you know you're actually watching someone sustain damage that is you yeah know, going to affect them psychological and physical damage mm-hmm. that's yeah. yeah yeah um I I had no clue about any of that of that. I um I knew some of the bits you talked about there about about, about uh, Linda Blair and that that scene on the bed, mm-hmm. but the the that radiographer no clue. Ah, that was insane. Yeah, it's pretty wild. What a yeah, just a bonkers thing to capture in a movie. Mm. So thus, The Exorcist uh, is thought to be cursed. Certified cursed. Certified cursed. <laughs> And there are plenty others. There are plenty others. I mean, you know, I know, we, I know, we, we, uh, I know. I brought up the crow the other week when we talked about the first part of this episode. But there was way fucking more going on on that set than people might originally know. You know, yeah. on day one, day fucking one of filming, uh, a, a a carpenter, a guy uh, in a cherry picker, right? He was working on a crane, just collided with a bunch of power lines, completely fucked the guy. Uh, he ended up having. Uh, yeah, completely electrocuted the shit out of him. The guy oh. had years of surgery, had both his ears amputated, <gasps> no. if you can believe that. Oh on the very same day, a truck caught fire on set. Uh, later on in the shoot, an electrician um, drove a, a screwdriver through his hand. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was an interesting incident where a, a pissed off crew member, a sculptor, a special effects guy, just plowed his car into the back of the fucking studio oh. on purpose. Wow. Um, I had never yeah, heard yeah, yeah. that. That's crazy. Or a lot went on on that set, you know, even above and and including the infamous, the the reason why everybody remembers it, you know. But yeah, cursed films, Which man, is, of course, everywhere. since we should say this on a podcast where not everyone knows things, is the death of Brandon Lee on set when a, yes. a gun that should have been firing blanks, uh, the blank became lodged and uh, mm. ended up firing and killing him. He was hit in the stomach. Um and yeah, 
and that I mean that adds up with what you're kind of saying about this though because you know I mentioned in that in our episode before about the fact that one of the reasons that happened was that there was someone who was supposed to be a specialist on set for that yes. kind of um yep. that like gun uh, and they sent that person home and were like ah the crew can take care of it don't worry about it it's not the first time they've seen a fake gun uh, and they didn't know how to look for something like what had happened there. You know, the the professional would have looked at it and been like, oh, this gun is jammed. We can't use that. That's going to kill somebody. But, you know, if I mm. were to look at a gun like that, I wouldn't know. I'd have no idea. No. So, you know, that's exactly. And, and the poor guy who, you know, shot him had to live with that the rest of his life. And people blamed him for it as well. Uh, it's absolutely tragic, man. I mean, he... He had 80-odd credits, that guy, Michael Massis, right? Mm -hmm. Michael Massey, sorry. 80-odd appearances, died of cancer in 2016. But you look down the list of his obituaries and every headline, actor involved in Brandon Lee's death, yeah. Crow tragedy actor, always forever yeah, first thing entwined okay. with that with that incident. Yeah. yeah. True, that's the, maybe the true curse is what, you know, the impact that it has on the people involved. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that does seem to be kind of what all of this stuff comes comes out to. And, you know, when I think of all of this stuff is about, you know, seeing patterns and especially like associating them in ways that aren't necessarily connected. That's what humans do. It's what conspiracy theory is. Yes, but it's course, also how course, we operate. We look for patterns yeah, and things. We try and... to find order in, yeah, mm -hmm. in the chaos. Yeah. And there's uh, an episode of uh, Cursed Films on Shudder, which is like it's a fun series, but it's also it really plays off of kind of the urban myths so it like they're not telling necessarily the true story they're telling the I story see. um I see. and having people talk about it you know um right. and so they're talking about the omen um and one of one of the people sort of talking heads in it was saying like you know horror and religion like they're doing the same thing they're the exact they're both trying to answer these big questions um or or ask not even answer they're asking the same questions uh about okay, okay. about life and death and all this kind mm -hmm. these kinds of uncertainties and it's like you know religion can assign you a meaning for the answers to those kinds of questions where horror doesn't do that horror just sort of is like well here's some way of dealing with all of these mm. unknowns you know that we have and these patterns and things that people see are part of that process of people trying to make sense of you know this uncertain world and the omen is such a good example of this because i think most of the stuff that's assigned to it um as a cursed film is like it's largely like false or the details are wrong or things like that that um you know, it's people stretching, trying to find things. So, for example, um, there was like Gregory Peck was allegedly supposed to be on a flight um, that he then canceled. Uh, and according to like sort of the mythology of this, that flight then um, hit a flock of birds, crashed at the end of the runway and hit a station wagon, uh, which was carrying a woman and several children. And what supposedly makes this even more tragic um, is that it was the pilot's wife and children in the car that was hit. And so, you know, supposedly they all died in this. Um, but I looked up the actual, like, article about what had happened, and the details of it are, like, all wrong. <laughs> it's like it was carrying, like... E even that yeah. just 
stink. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was Smells carrying Chinese wicky. diplomats. It's probably not the same flight that Gregory Peck was supposed to be on. Um, the mm. woman and the children, the woman was married to a pilot, but it was a different pilot than the one who was flying the, the plane. Everyone who was on the plane survived. Only the people who were in the car died. Um, and yeah, so it was like just none of these details when you like looked at them really panned out. Another um, was that, you know, the uh, one of the like producers or directors, something like that, he had been staying um, in London and the IRA bombed a restaurant where he was supposed to go um, that particular night um, and he just barely missed it. Um, and this like they had canceled the reservation or something like that, which it did happen. That absolutely did happen. But also mm. it was the 1970s in London. So the IRA bombing shit wasn't exactly like, whoa, no. this is a curse that came no. from the omen. Um, there was uh, another story that was that the special effects supervisor, John Richardson, had a car accident after filming and his fiance was de decapitated much like in the movie. And allegedly happened near a sign that said Omen, O-M-M-E-N, uh, ah, 66.6 kilometers. John R Richardson yeah. was in a car accident. Someone was decapitated. It was not his fiance. The um, details of this are like all wrong. It was like someone else who uh, he was working with at the time. So there's just like all these... and. and I think one of the things that like even the directors and whatnot, the producers and everything talking about this said of like, you know, if anything, people call it a cursed film, but everyone avoided things like a, a one of they worked at a place called Windsor Safari Park. Um, and mm. one of the animal handlers after filming um, ended, they said he was eaten by a lion. It was a, a tiger, um, but it was after <laughs> the filming. It was once they like finished up and like the next day he was mm. eaten by a tiger so all of these things are like if anything it's a blessed movie like everything <laughs> you know nobody who was involved like two of the people um gregory peck and the director their planes were both hit by lightning on the way there but they didn't crash they were just hit by lightning so you know well, yeah i'd call that lucky <laughs> it's just finding these these like sort of patterns in completely unrelated things that makes something that people were already scared of. The omen, this, you know, the idea of this movie is one that, like, you know, scares religious people and things like that. And it lends itself to the mythology. But that's it. what people do, isn't it? That yeah. is what people do. They, they, causality and causation, they just intertwine the two and just all of a sudden you get curses or you get, you know, numerology right. or you get palmistry or you get, you know, fucking phrenology. You, people look for <laughs> patterns and stuff yeah, exactly. which are essentially meaningless and find them. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, really what we're telling here is stories of just films where supremely bad things happened to people. Yeah, bad um, choices. You know, there's there's no such thing as a curse, but it's a, you know, it's interesting how these things live on in public memory that way, you know, that mm. if you say, you know, oh, I watched this thing about cursed films or I was thinking about cursed films. Like people immediately go to these kinds of things because they become such a huge part of our pop culture yep. mindset and the way that we process this stuff, that it becomes real to us after a while. Like, yeah, this Totemic. was cursed. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, listen, I mean, uh, all of the examples, it, it, it occurs to me 
that we've just given there the, i mean the earliest one of the the most recent example that we just talked about there was the crow which in itself is like 30 odd years yeah old. it's true when uh, you when you start to increase like rules and things like that around how you create films and whatnot suddenly yep. fewer cursed things happen on sets yes <laughs> uh, turns Imagine. out effective hr practices and health and safety are all you need to defeat a curse <laughs> so let that be a lesson to you if you're feeling a little cursed yeah. maybe go to hr <laughs> <Yeah>. speak up <laughs> it's been a delight as always mark oh hasn't it though it really has yeah. uh and next sunday can't come quick enough yes but we've got saturday before that so saturday oh we do yay boko yes remember set to sail. get together with us set sail for the ghost ship uh, set sail for terror <laughs> and we if that wasn't that. on the poster it it's, should have been it's something i think it's an even sillier tagline to to be honest with you but um yeah check out our discord join that get yourself ready get yourself a copy of the movie um and mm. we'll get together and we'll watch that together on saturday and have a beautiful time uh as always hey drop us some stars on uh, the apple podcast if you got a second um tell your friends buy our merch uh i always love getting little emails saying people have bought stuff it, it puts a little spring in my step for the rest of the day uh although uh after a couple of washes the print on that jack of all graves shirt was here for a good time not for a long oh, time oh sad oh that's too bad i haven't had any of them fade yet but uh you know we'll see um but anyways despite what mark just said where our logo Tell, tell, Excellent value. Yeah, tell you tell your friends about us, all that stuff. Um, and we will we will catch you Saturday, and if not Saturday, next Sunday. So stay sure. spooky, friends. Have a great week, everyone. Bye.